0: Who is the master who makes the grass green? We become what we think about. Now let me say that again.
1: We become what we think about. Throughout all history, the great wise men and teachers, philosophers, and prophets have disagreed with one another on many different things. It is only on this one point that they are in complete and unanimous agreement.
0: Who is the master who makes the grass green? Welcome to this episode of Blue Collar Mystics. We're kicking it off with Earl Nightingale and some words of wisdom and a zen riddle. This is my kind of party and I'm glad you're here. If you joined us for our first episode, we began to talk about the nature of reality, the reality of reality, and I thought we might have the opportunity to explore just a bit further, ontologically speaking. I have a couple of clips that I want to play for you uh, that talk a little bit about the nature of reality and how we collectively create it together, that we each have our own sphere of influence, perspective... And each and every one of us is influencing reality, collectively, individually, and at a very deep level. I want to introduce you to one of my favorite philosophers of all time, Mr. Robert Anton Wilson, also known as Uncle Bob or Ra. He has uh, written many, many books, uh, and I want to put some supplemental links of his in the show notes. But he's going to introduce us to a concept called reality tunnels, understanding that each of us experience the world in a completely unique manner. So let's dive in.
1: The idea of reality as a singular noun doesn't make any sense to me at all anymore. What model do you use? Everybody has their own neurological reality tunnel, which is why we misunderstand one another so often and why we misjudge one another so profoundly.
0: Can you describe what a reality tunnel is?
1: We receive, I think, more than a billion signals every minute from the environment. Most of them we are not even conscious of receiving. They affect our legs, our arms, our eyes, our ears, our nose, our our chest. All this information is pouring in and the nervous system is making evaluations at different levels, working its way up. One of the classic models is that we got three brains, the reptile brain, the mammal brain, and the human brain. If we try to be conscious of all the signals, we couldn't do it because to be conscious of that many signals simultaneously means we only perceive chaos. We can't handle that much information and organize it rapidly. So we throw out all the information that seems unimportant, which means we also throw out all the information that that seems threatening to our belief system, or to our dogma, or to our ideology. We throw out everything we think can be ignored safely so we concentrate on the things that seem important. And our brain constructs a model out of all the information coming up from the rest of the nervous system, and we project the model outward and consider it reality. It's not reality, it's our reality tunnel. Everybody else in the same room is constructing a different reality tunnel. About 40 years now, I've been teaching workshops and seminars, first on general semantics, then on neuro-linguistic programming and various other things, but I have done this experiment hundreds of times where I get the whole audience to describe the hall outside the seminar room. I never have had a case yet in hundreds of experiments where two people describe the hall exactly the same. The differences are sometimes astonishing. We all perceive a different world because our brains are organizing it according to patterns the brain has created to organize. And those patterns seem to be created at this date, it appears they are created by our genetic like programs, by our early imprints, by our subsequent conditioning, by our learning, and by whatever experiments we have done in reprogramming our nervous systems, which involve such things as yoga, psychotherapy, general semantics, neuro-linguistic programming, brain-tuning machines. Every time we reprogram our nervous system, our reality tunnel should change a little. If it doesn't, we haven't learned anything through that experiment that was wasted time. If our reality tunnel changes a little, then we have to spend a lot of time in the next couple of years checking our new reality tunnel and see if we can communicate it well enough to others that we don't get locked up as raving maniacs if we don't get locked up as raving maniacs then you can consider your new reality tunnel possibly just as good as your old one and maybe more accurate in some ways traditionally been part of alchemy for a couple of thousand years both east and west the multiplication of the first matter really means changing your nervous system from inside what john lilly
0: calls matter
1: programming
0: All right, this man was way ahead of his time. I know that was like a mouthful of mouthfuls, and it was fast. But what he's talking about is something called the reticular activating system. It's a part of our brain that connects between our brain and the nervous system, and it's basically responsible for what we pay attention to, for what we notice, for the things around us, for our reality tunnel. So it's very impactful. So, you know, he's unpacking a lot here with NLP and the subconscious mind here in a very short period of time. But I have another clip actually that goes a little bit deeper, deeper into language, uh, because that's kind of how these things are framed. And uh, I'm going to play that for you by Mr. Uncle Bob as well. This clip is specifically about language and how it influences our reality, how it frames our reality, and how impactful it is, or maybe.
1: E prime is English without the use of any form of is or being. We're trapped in linguistic con- constructs. All that is is metaphor. I believe somebody said that before me. I've decided we can't get beyond words, what we've got to do is get more cynical about our words. You'll find that by dispensing with is and trying to reformulate without is, you just naturally fall into the kind of expression which is considered acceptable in modern science and also it's the type of consciousness that Zen Buddhism tries to induce. Using E' you will understand modern science and Zen Buddhism both a lot better than you've ever understood them before. Martin Gardner has written a long essay proving that to think like this will destroy your mind. Uh, I think it it adds tremendously to clarity. I am removing the is from my writing more and more. Removing it from your speech is even harder. Instead of thinking the grass is green, to think the grass appears green to me. And this saves me a lot of time, Uh, by the way. I don't get embroiled in arguments like Beethoven is better than Mozart. Or rock is better than soul. I define such things as meaningless, and so people get into arguments like that. I just say, well, Beethoven seems better to me than Mozart most of the time, but I don't say Beethoven is better than Mozart. I return to E' in my thinking whenever I find myself getting angry at somebody, or feeling depressed or hopeless, or having negative emotional states in general. Once you put them and once you take out all the ises out of all your negative statements, you find out they're all relative to how you feel at the moment. People would by and large act a hell a lot more sanely. And especially if they you know, when they got rid of is, they dropped they put maybe in more sentences. I think if everybody used maybe more often, the the increase in general sanity would be absolutely it would it would seem absolutely astonishing and completely flabbergasted everybody. What the hell is this? We suddenly got a planet full of sane people? When did that start to happen? I didn't even notice it. You just listen to the craziest people on the news and on television or the craziest columnists in the newspapers. And you know, they never say maybe. They're always quite sure. and They always know is. And they never say seems. They always say is. I am continually astonished at all the people in the world who think they have the answer to everything. None of them ever suspect they might be cosmic schmucks and have the wrong answer. And I find that the only explanation that makes sense to me is in Korzybski's Science and Sanity. These people don't know how to use language properly. They're using language in an overly dogmatic way, which sets their brain into overly dogmatic modes. So they think dogmatically, they perceive dogmatically, they even smell dogmatically, they hear dogmatically. They're, they're locked in a trap of fixed, fixed neuro-semantic uh, circuits in their brains. Whereas knowing I'm a cosmic schmuck, I always think of at least five alternatives. When people start arguing about worries, they're mostly arguing about whether the words that they apply to the objects they have created out of the infinity of possible objects that could be put together, they picked up a few of them and they put words on them and they quarrel about the words And if these people get to the stage where they're willing to kill one another over the words, they should be put in a nice, quiet home in the country with kindly doctors and beautiful nurses and good sedatives. But generally, they end up in government mansions and start bombing one another. Or they lead religious crusades for the true faith and kill one another with swords or some such thing.
0: amazing that the words we use could be so trapping and so very limiting. In reality, the things that we are striving to attain, understand, or feel are a lot more complicated sometimes than the words we use. And also keeping in mind that other people have a different experience and are going to use different words. As he said if we just use the word maybe instead of is then the world's consciousness level would go up tremendously understanding the, the, the validity of other people's experience, expressing it and understanding that we don't always have the answer, you know, but in every single moment we do have a choice in every single moment. We have the ability To choose, we have the ability to decide how we react to what situations. And if we can remember that everyone is having a different experience, that we're not all the same person, and how boring that would be, perhaps we can maybe be a little bit more present in the moment and maybe a little bit more humble as well. But that choice, that choice is very evident now. And it's something I want to leave everyone with, just some really powerful words from one of the greatest prophets who's ever lived. Thanks for hanging out with us. Be sure to rate the podcast, subscribe, share, tell your friends about it, and we'll see you on the next one. Peace out, everybody.
2: Take all that money we spend on weapons and defense each year and instead spend it feeding, clothing and educating the poor of the world which it would many times over, not one human being excluded and we can explore space together both inner and outer forever in peace Thank you very much, you've been great, I hope you enjoyed it London, you're fantastic, thank you Thank you very much